I think theology is for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Welcome, friends. Theology Unplugged. Michael Patton. Tim Kimberly. Hey, How are you hey, doing, Tim? I'm doing good. Glad All to right. be here in the Credo and House. Sam, oh, Sam's not here. Oh, Sam disappeared on us. Well, we kept Sam out again today, right? Yeah, you know, we can just only take so much of him, so so we put him away for a little bit. But just need a break, so I, it's just the two of us. I think we'll bring him back next time. Do we have anything to talk about? I'm not sure. We're, we're unplugged, man. We're just going to see what happens. Can we speak authoritatively without Sam? Uh, if we use a British accent, especially. All right. Well, good. Maybe we can speak more authoritatively without Sam, right? Well, I don't know. We Sam would... puts a hamper on our authority. <laughs> we love having Sam here. Yeah. Great to have uh, you guys joining us here at the Credo House. Uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma. That's right. Whenever you guys are listening to this, uh, morning, noon, or night, that's the beauty of podcasting. And whatever device you might be listening to this on, whether it be CD, if anybody uses CDs anymore. What's that? <laughs> um, MP3, streaming online, on your iTouch, on your BlackBerry, all kinds of ways. IPad, Speaking of I- iPod, touch iPad. Uh, you may have heard about our our uh, application. Is that what it's called? App. Application. Just app. app. Yeah. You don't. You can't call it an application. No. You don't really know what you're talking about there. Do we have a theology unplugged app? We don't right now, but we? we do have the theology app. The theology app. And that's yeah. the theology program. So if you just search in the app store or just go to theologyapp.org. There we it is. Dominate the theology section. We do. It All is. you have to do is search theology, and we will dominate. <laughs> yeah, there's like five searches a day for theology, <laughs> and we're all five. Number one. No, but it, but it's been. Ex- we are so so excited. I think the theology app is in at least eleven countries right now on devices in eleven countries that we've sold it through. Uh, basically, imagine an entire seminary uh, theological program in your pocket. Uh, for $6.99, and we're really excited about that, getting out there. Uh, we've got it on the iPhone. Um, and we're getting ready to hopefully release an update in the next couple of weeks that will just add more features. And then um, the Android is in the market right now. It is in more of a beta stage. We're ironing out the wrinkles. But, uh, well, by the time this broadcast the, is on, it'll be done, right? I- exactly, yeah. And So, so uh, search theology there, too? Yep, search theology there as well, and just look for House, and I think right now we're the third one down when you search theology. We uh, then, don't dominate that market. No, but we're we're fast approaching the, okay. the top on that. Uh, then the iPad app is in development. We are having it running in our emulators right now, and we hope to, we think that'll be the most beautiful way uh, that you can experience the theology program, and uh, we're hoping to have that in the store shortly. All right, well, good. Uh, search theology, whether it's Android or iPhone, soon iPad as well. Do you want to talk about Download the discipleship it. program, or are we keeping more of that a secret? Because uh, that's uh, if you got something to say about it, we're say so it. excited about it. Uh, I mean, it's we got our workbooks in yesterday, looking at them. Uh, we really feel like this is going to be the most substantive thing that we do uh, that we've done in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we definitely love all the other programs, but Michael and I just really sense that. Mm-hmm. 
something special happened when we were doing the discipleship program, and uh, we felt the presence of the Spirit in a different way. Yeah, we really did, and you know, we really felt like something special uh, happened when we when we wrapped up the filming of that, and we're really sensing that this is not the you know have them go through the discipleship program and they'll be mature disciples for the rest of their lives, but uh, basically a beginning discipleship. Uh, set someone on a path of of correct thought and correct action that will benefit them for a lifetime, hopefully. So what we're hoping is that that you'll get the discipleship program through all the different mediums that, that we put stuff out through uh, and give it to a new believer, give it to every new believer, and so that they will be grounded in their faith in some really important things from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's jump into our subject. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do we know what the subject is? Well, no, I do. I do. I'm just trying to. I'm trying. I've got an illustration that I'm going to start off we're with. Doing, I know I'm going to get a weird look from you on the face. Paper, I'm trying to, paper, rock, scissors here on what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Don't know. Uh, what, what I've never, I've folks, I've never been. At least I, I don't think I have. I have never been. Physically, we're not going to talk about ghosts, are addicted. we? Addicted. Okay. To any type of substance, I don't think. Okay. I mean, the closest I could say is last year, whenever I was taking those that pain medication. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think I was ever addicted to it because I never desired mm-hmm. it or anything like that. It wasn't as if afterwards I was like, I've got to have more or something like that. I didn't even notice physically. Okay. Maybe it was mental. Maybe I had a physical addiction, but I didn't have a mental addiction. I don't know. Yeah. But as I think back through my life, I don't know if I've ever been really addicted to anything in that way, having a physical addiction. Now, mental addictions, you know, those can be both good and bad. You can be addicted to to exercise. Yeah. Right? yeah. Body can need it, and you sense habits that we sometimes say. And you've been a physical trainer. Did you find you were addicted to exercise maybe yeah, at different times? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, I mean, I still have that to where if I don't, you know, each day it just – it just drains me in mentally and emotionally. Even if it doesn't have, I have the desired effect. I need to do that. Okay. Um. What about you? Have you ever had anything that you can think of in your life that you've been addicted to? Yeah, I, in, in a in a physical and mental way. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably say that uh, probably pornography would mm-hmm. be something that I feel like, uh, you know, by God's grace, uh, I, He set me free from that. I can say that confidently. You know, there is a Hebrew or a First Corinthians tells us not to ever think that we're totally past something, lest uh, we fall back into it. But uh, it's been nearly a decade for me since mm-hmm. I've, I've felt the power of that. But I would say that that held held pretty that and some other things held pretty uh, strong uh, addictive powers over me for many years. Is, would that be considered a mental addiction, physical addiction? I, I think it would be both. I would say it'd be kind of an all all encompassing addiction. I would say mm-hmm. I, I think it would be. Um, yeah, I mean, I think any addiction in some ways is going to have physical manifestations and uh, and mental man. I mean, we're I don't believe that in this dichotomy model so much of you know the inside and the outside are so separate. You know, yeah. we uh, we're just whole people. So if any area of our lives is an addiction, we can't say, well, that's just in my head because it will play itself out through your body. Are all addictions bad? You know what? I mean, I would think so. I mean, I think just that word addiction, I mean, unless if you say, well, I'm addicted to Christ, 
Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you would actually, I mean, I'm sure somebody for just the sake of, of trying to say something that's a little bit out there and edgy, you know, I'm sure people have said that before, but I would say, you know, anything that has mastery over you over instead of the master, I would say is, is a sinful addiction. Hmm. Even if you'd say I'm addicted to generosity. Well, I would say now what, what makes you say you're addicted to generosity? And you may say, well, I love the high that I get when I give something to somebody and this and this and this. And I would say, you know what? I think generosity has become an idol in your life because you're, you should be worshiping Christ. You should be receiving your satisfaction from Him and not from giving. Now, I think a correct response would be because of what Christ has given to me, I want to give to other people. So I want to be generous because Christ is now the center of my life and not my things. And so that makes me want to give my things because he has given so much to me. So generosity, I mean, so many things are great things, but when they substitute the satisfaction you get in Christ, then they become idols because they're in the way of what Christ is giving to us. Dependency. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here. What On what are we dependent yeah. Right? Yeah. And addiction yeah. is going to have a negative connotation to it no matter what. And so that's why we don't really like using the word addiction when we talk about it. I'm addicted to Bible study. I'm addicted to, yeah. you know, Jesus. I'm addicted to even, you know, uh, a service or something like that, right? Yeah. And, and dependency is not, I mean, we're dependent on oxygen. Mm-hmm. We're dependent on water and food, um, you know, and so we're, necessarily being dependent on something is just a part of humanity in some ways, but I would say that there are other things, of course, that being dependent on them instead of, you know, so if I say I'm fully dependent on my wife and I could never survive without my wife, I'd say, well, I mean, there's some good elements to that. I'm glad that you and your wife are uh, you, you know, close like that. But And we do say stuff like that. You know, you hear pastors saying it from the pulpit and say, I, yeah. I couldn't make it without my wife. Yeah, and you know we're we're kind of we kind of take that tongue in, tongue in cheek in some ways and say, well, you know, I hope you're not a hundred percent, you know, that's a hundred percent true because I would hope that with Christ you can make it in any situation. Mm-hmm. Why did I bring up that? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what we're going to go through a couple of sessions here, and then we get back with Sam and, and start our new series, but. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, a lot of the things we've been doing here in the ministry with regards to doubt. And so mm. this is really a session on uh, on dealing with doubt or, or a session on understanding doubt or a session on you and I's observations as we have dealt with people who are Christian doubters. Okay. Because we, we've dealt with a lot of them recently, you know. Mm. Christians who are in a state in which they feel their belief is slipping away okay. and they don't want it to. Okay. That's the way I'm defining it. Okay? Yeah. Whenever you can define doubt very bad and say, well, you know, I just doubt it. I doubt Jesus is the Lord, but maybe who knows? I'm not talking about that kind of doubt. I'm talking about the people who say, I'm a Christian, but my faith is slipping away. Yeah. I'm beginning to doubt. And we were very clear when we did this, uh, our special Doubters Anonymous or Doubt Night, that those were the people that we were really wanting to interact with. Now, at the Credo House, we interact with, with new atheism and atheists, and, and we're, we're more than happy to interact with people who are really uh, 
coming at an angle of I do not believe, I don't want to believe, and uh, let's talk because I know you believe, and uh, and you know that is is something that we welcome. But is specifically here we are talking about people who are saying uh, I've been a believer in some context, uh, I don't feel that anymore, and but I want to, mm-hmm. I want to feel the joy of the Lord, I want to sense Christ, I, w- I want the Spirit to confirm with my spirit that I am a child of God. Well, if I heard about a ministry that was doing this or, you know, I was able to visit someone that had dealt with people in this circumstance in a very unique way, which I feel like we have. The first thing I'd ask is give me the basic observations. Okay. You know, you know tell me what's, what, what is going on with people? Mm-hmm. Why are these people coming to you? What are their doubts? What are the concerns? What are the things that you have learned? And I've learned a lot. I mean, yeah. I, I continue to learn a lot, mm. not only through my own experience and being able to, you know, say, gosh, there's, there's things in my life, there's times in my life where I've experienced significant amounts of doubt, mm. but also because I just deal with people that are dealing with doubt. And you have dealt with people who are dealing with doubt all the way back to now the addiction thing. Mm. One of the things that I would say is an observation. Okay. Uh, maybe this is observations about doubters. Okay. Or observations about our doubt. That's more, that's a little bit more. Uh, We're searching for a title of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, write that down. Uh, the first thing that I would say is that I, I recognize, and this isn't always the case, but this is a huge amount of the time whenever people, Christians, are experiencing significant doubt, trying to hold on to their faith. It's slipping away, and they're saying, somebody help me get back my faith because I am moving into a massive state of depression, sometimes leading to a massive state of disobedience. Mm. Because my faith is leaving me. One of the things that I notice is that people are addicted. Okay, leave it there, right? Addicted to doubt? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, you're supposed to say addicted to. <laughs> yes, so I'm saying addicted to. Addicted but... to. Addicted to experience. Okay. I, I found this a lot, and this is the cause of a lot of people's doubts, is that people are <clears throat> in need of... Some type, uh, and I, I, I hate to put it this way, but it's the analogy, the drug of experience in their spirituality. Mm-hmm. Now, with me, here, here's where I'm coming from, folks, and Tim, yeah. and, and I'm not trying to standardize my spirituality in any sense because we're very unique people and God deals with us in a unique way. And so not putting this above or saying this is better or you should be like me. God knows I'm not saying be like me. I mean, I need you to be like you. Mm-hmm. The world has enough Michael's yeah, patents that's right. in I mean, one. <laughs> it, it, but the thing is, my faith has – I've never been an experiential person or – let me put it this way. With, with regards to God, I can't really point you if you said, Michael, tell me about some time in your life where God has really moved in an experiential way. I said, oh, gosh, that's a, that's a good question. You know, if I'm trying to be a good Christian on a good interview, I'd come up with a few things. Well, maybe it was, maybe it was one of her, uh, you know, I was on my way home driving, and, and I, I felt like I really committed myself over to the Lord in a different mm-hmm. way, and I, I would tell this story. It's part of my testimony. Yeah. You know, one day I was driving down the road, and I was like, hey, I, I think I really believe all this stuff, and if it's true, it should change mm-hmm. my life completely. That was a change in my life. It was mm-hmm. a turning point. 
whenever I said, if it's true, it's worth my whole life. Mm-hmm. If it's not true, forget it, Michael. Mm-hmm. And it was like that, that point I changed and I said, mm-hmm. it is true. Yeah. So it should affect my entire life. But that's not really a experience. That's just a conclusion mm-hmm. that I came to about truth. Yeah. If it's true, it's worth everything. If it's yeah. not true, it's worth nothing. Right? Yeah. Um, a couple other things that I might well say, but no real miracles. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I could point you to some. I wish I could tell you, you know, uh, lots of things that, that God has done and I have moved mountains, but I, I haven't. I've never moved any mountains. I've never had any major experiences. I've never heard the voice of God. Never, never even really had a dream, a vision of any sort mm-hmm. where I woke up and I said, God, you just talked to me then. Mm-hmm. Um, the other night I sat outside and I prayed probably about 12 o'clock at night. And I feel whenever the night is clear and I can see the stars and the moon mm-hmm. and it's just quiet, no wind, I feel at that point that I am better connected to God. And the wind throws you off if there's well, a slight just, wind? It's just calm. Yeah. Okay. Calm. Uh, but again, I mean, that's very explainable in other ways. It's not a special experience where I'd say God really does come to me whenever it's calm and there's stars showing, you know, I know that. Mm. So I don't have anything, Tim. Mm. And and my faith is not, I'm in no sense. Here's what I'd say. I'm in no sense addicted to experience. I'm not going to leave here and say, man, Lord, if you don't do something soon and refill me, I'm drained. I'm running on empty. Or I need a new experience. I need a fresh experience. Exactly. Yeah. I need some type of confirmation. I, I would say that I've, I, I've, I mean, it's probably a, a few, maybe on two hands, I can actually point to things that I feel like in my life would be significant experiences that I, I know of no other explanation than to, than to say, you know, the God of the universe did this in a, a supernatural way. I mean, I think in some ways my freedom from my addiction, and I can tell you the exact moment when I sensed from God that he had actually ripped it out of my life. Mm-hmm. I had been begging him to do that, and uh, and it was from that exact moment in that exact apartment in, in a certain city that it's never... Uh, had sway on me like it did at that point before and um, some other situations. I've had a few situations where um, I prayed specifically at a specific time for a specific amount of money for a certain ministry I was leading at the time and and I felt like my heart was right and all this stuff and I get up from my knees hit refresh on my computer and that exact amount is in my right, bank account pause right there. things like that yeah. pray real quick yeah oh and lord for our ministry <laughs> and here's the exact amount we need 30,000 okay go Oh, uh, I feel too much I got, pressure. I got the I button on the refresh. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it wouldn't be uh, legitimate or, or I, I genuine. I can get addicted to that very quickly, Tim. I'll get well, addicted to your experience if you yeah. pull that off. No, so what I'm saying, though, is that... You know, I, I do sense I've had experiences, but then uh, you know there are long stretches of time that I'll go where I don't sense those experiences or or I don't see them as easily. You know, and so so I mean I just mention those to to show that our experiences are different mm-hmm. and our walks with God are different, and and uh, we both know of pastors and different people that share stories of their experience that are much more experiential mm-hmm. than ours are. Where mm-hmm. in a, in a dream, God. 
God tells them something that uh, seems really strange, but then they'll uh, you know they'll pass any polygraph test and say yes, this actually was what was communicated to me, and then here is my story of how this actually came about, however long later. Hmm. So so we definitely see these things, but what we're saying is. Um, you know what do we do with that? And then, especially as it relates to doubt, many people look to those, and if those things don't come about, um, you know, I think of Jesus when uh, when Thomas was saying, you know, I, I need to experience you, I need to experience your resurrected body, I need to see this with my own eyes before I believe, mm-hmm. and then yeah. uh, for whatever reason, Jesus actually lets him have that experience. But then, what's really has struck me though is that Jesus' response to him is you've believed because you've seen but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed and so you know here Thomas and he gets demonized and some some ways is rightfully so but I think he gets a little bit he gets a little too hard I think I think sometimes Christians are too hard on him but what Jesus is telling him though is it's actually better for those who have never had those experiences but still believe, then for you standing right here with your finger in my side, uh, it's actually not best for you. It's better for those other people. We don't call uh, Peter denying Peter. (laughs) Or Thomas doubting Thomas. And he's a guy a little bit uh, beforehand, whenever Jesus is getting ready to go into into Jerusalem to die, you know, Mm. but to raise Lazarus, and he thinks he's going to die. And Thomas says, come, that we might die with him. Yeah, I mean, he was a great man of faith. Yeah, well, and I mean, history shows that he went all the way over to India and uh, and really started the church in India. And people even now are are part of that heritage. And so, uh, so Thomas really is a hero of the faith. But at the same time, uh, he uh, he did seek this experience. Tim, I got an email this morning <clears throat> from a girl who's doubting her salvation. Okay. Not so much doubting the faith. You know, we deal with a lot of people who are just doubting the very foundation of the faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, this particular one's d- d- doubting her salvation. There really three things, doubting the faith, doubting salvation, and just doubting God's love for you in particular. You okay. know? That could connect with doubting your salvation, but there's just kind of this separate thing. Am I really saved? Um, am I really, sometimes people say, am I really among the elect? How can mm-hmm. I make sure? Well, her experience, as she to- tells it and, and tells me the story, has to do with with a first initial experience of feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit whenever people laid their hands on me, came into me. I actually felt it. Never felt anything before like that. It changed me. And, you know, in a sense, we stop and we say, wow, that's great. Mm. That's our God. That's yeah. the way he works because it is something miraculous. And we like to confirm those types of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm not yeah. going there, Tim. Yeah. What I'm saying is that that's how her salvation experience started. And she said, I was confirmed by the Holy Spirit that I was a child of God at that moment. Then she said, a year later, I was reading the Bible, and this verse jumped out at me. I will never leave you or forsake you. I was confirmed at that point, and it was, I just felt his presence at that point, and it, it, it pulled out. I mean, it's like I was reading the text, and I couldn't get my eyes off that one for some a miraculous type of thing. Yeah. Another time, 
somebody was talking to me and they said, I sense you need to hear this. God loves you. And he is going to confirm you and your work for him. And she said, that just, you know, that, that experience guided me. But since then, I haven't felt his presence. Yeah. And I'm doubting now whether or not I'm saved. Mm. Now, for me, I, again, it's not as if I approach these. I got, it's so hard to, to know how to approach these. But it's not as if I'm approaching this and saying, your whole paradigm is messed up. Mm. Um, you need to be like me. My paradigm's good because I have no experiences. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, therefore, whenever I, I believe in my salvation, I, I'm just believing it. You know, mm-hmm. I haven't seen. I don't. Uh, blessed are those who have not seen. Well, that's me, you know. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who have not really had a deep inner feeling. Well, that's me. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who have never had a real confirming experience. I've had one, and I've talked about it beforehand, mm-hmm. you know, with Angie yeah. and, and finding her in the hotel room. But that was kind of a odd mixed bag because you yeah. know it didn't really work out quite so well. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, I don't know how to relate. So be like me. That's what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure you don't care about experiences and don't ever look towards them. That's not what I do. I, I search for experience. I love experience. Yeah, I would say that I'm not addicted to it though. Yeah, and, and you know, just because I haven't had it, mm-hmm. but I can see how. Whenever people have these initial experiences, whenever they're saved, whenever they begin to feed off off of them, to where your 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 tank can go dry based upon illegitimate fuel, mm-hmm. and an experience is a great fuel, but it is not the foundational fuel for our spirituality. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I would say that we you know the foundation of our life is Christ, not our experience of Him. You know, it's like, do you focus on the gift or the giver? You know, and our our focus should always be on the giver because if the giver doesn't give us a gift, except every ten years, uh, I mean, he's still. I mean, if if I have an uh, awesome relationship with my wife, and on a continual basis we have this amazing relationship, but she only gives me a gift every ten years, well, that's okay. Unless if what my what I am infatuated with are the gifts that are given to me from the giver, then our relationship is not going to be okay because I'm focusing on the wrong thing. And you could say, well, you know, that experience is my relationship. You know, how do I gauge? And this is probably would be good to talk about. How do I gauge a relationship with God if I don't have that experience? What else do I look to? to confirm my relationship. And a lot of us are going to be more sensitive towards experience as well. It's not as if it's not as if uh, God has created us all the same. Yeah. And God will come to certain people with certain experiences more than he will come to other people. Yeah. And it doesn't mean he loves one person any more or the other person any less. Yeah. Well, and, I, and sometimes I mean it's <laughs> Sometimes that's what that person needs at that time, you know, like Paul needed a road to Damascus experience for him to to come to Christ because of whatever, that's what God chose to give to Paul. Uh, But the Ethiopian eunuch had a totally different experience, and, uh, you know, you can just go down the row of just no two people in Scripture came to Christ in the exact same way. 
Well, look at Moses. One of the things about Moses that that draws out whenever I'm reading through the accounts is that he is described as a man whom God spoke to face to face. Yeah. Well, what that tells me is he didn't speak to these other guys face to face. Well, and we're pretty sure he probably didn't speak to Moses face to face for forty years, though, yeah. while he was while he was out uh, in Midian doing whatever, too. And so, I mean, there was even a time in Moses's life, really in the heart of his life, where he was seemed to be most productive. You know, between the ages of forty and eighty, that uh, you know we have no record that God spoke to him at all, mm-hmm. and uh, that anybody really spoke to him except the sheep that he was walking around with yeah and he started around 80 you know burning bush and then all of a sudden he becomes this friend of god and god approaches him and he has all kinds of experiences we are interviewing him he's here at the credo house sitting in sam's seat um sorry sam we we might replace you be a regular but moses tell us about your experiences wow this one time you know i climbed the mountain and god showed himself to me yeah and it was crazy and my face was bright red and and it was like a sunburn and you know you and i are eating this up yeah you know yeah. because we're we're longing for such a thing all oh, this other time you know we were in that we were in the tabernacle and and aaron's sons just were struck dead you know mm. and it was a, it was a terrible experience but it was the hand of god and again we're we're living in the fear of his experience and he talks from manna of heaven the quail on the the fire you know the pillar of fire that is warming them and guiding them at night and to- so many experiences and we say god, Moses, did you hear god yeah i heard him yeah. i mean i heard his voice. what does it sound like i mean do it it was kind of like this. Yeah. Or was it Char- kind of like... Charlton Heston, yeah. Did it have a British accent? Yeah. <laughs> Mike Tyson. He has a Mike Tyson voice. It's really bizarre. <laughs> uh, but, but the thing is, here's what we're saying, is that he is described as a man that God spoke to face to face. What does that tell me? That there are men that were in the camp that God didn't speak to face to face. Yeah. What do we want to be like? Well, I'd rather be like Moses. You know, I'd rather have those experiences. However, the one of the key things here, and I, I guess this is we're coming to an end of our time. One of the things that I think I need to grab a hold of and reel in is that God's going to deal with us differently. Mm-hmm. Deal with me differently than you. I, I can fuel off your experience. You can tell me the story of your release from pornography, and I don't have to sit here and say, well, I've never had anything like that, so I, I doubt that. Mm. You know, It's probably yeah. a naturalistic way you can explain that. Yeah, That's not my job, and that's not what I want to do. I mean, I want I wanna you to be used in the body in mm. such a way to encourage me. I want Moses to be used to encourage the people of Israel to whom God is not speaking face-to-face. Yeah, But at the same time, we, while we recognize there are differences between people within the church, there are differences, like you were saying, in stages of life. Mm. And sometimes God goes dark. Yeah. He goes silent. And that is the hardest thing that I find for a lot of these doubters, is the people who have had mountaintop experiences that suddenly go into drought experiences mm. with God. Yeah. And the first thing, and, and we'll talk more about this next time, but the first thing is that you got to expect that. I, I, I just think you do, don't you? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've, we can't become addicted 
to a certain way in which God is moving in our lives as if that is the standard and that is the assurance. As you said beforehand, the assurance is Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did. If that is true, period, it's done. Mm. No matter whether you have a thousand experiences or none. And in him, you're no further than him. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't go away and come back. I mean, you are as near to him when you sense him as when you don't sense him as well. Hmm. All right, folks, we're going to talk about this a little bit more next time. What are, we, what are we calling this? Addicted to experience. How's that? Yeah, something like that. I like it. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening to Addicted to Experience <laughs> and joining us here at the Credo House. We'll uh, talk to you next week. You've been listening to Theology Unplugged. Visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes store. All episodes are available as free downloads. Theology Unplugged is made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. If you've enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way, do consider partnering with us. For information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources, visit the RMM homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.